Chapter Two, Part Five of Commentary on the Gospel of John, Book Ten, by Cyril of Alexandria, translated by Reverend Thomas Randall. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Sixteen, ye did not choose me, but I chose you, and have appointed you that ye should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he shall give you. His aim is neither to depress his holy disciples by words too grievous, being aware, as God, of the great tendency of human reason to weakness, nor again does he permit them by immoderate assurances to fall into a state of backsliding, for this is indeed a disease and a serious one but forming a mean between these two from a mixture of both he fitly leads them into a safe path and works in them a knowledge of the more stable state and of the complete uncertainty of that which is removed from it when therefore then he has abundantly comforted them with the words of consolation and with respect to those things at which they would be likely to be cast down persuading them in turn to rejoice he again incites them by his injunctions to diligence to a confident courage persuading them to change their minds and rather to rejoice at those things at which they had not without reason been dismayed and charges them to display the utmost zeal and put into practice an overflowing measure of brotherly love and to benefit those as yet without faith and to hasten by the words and deeds that make for righteousness to draw those who are astray to a willingness to be united to god by faith offering himself then as an image and pattern of that which must be done and bringing before them that which has been already accomplished by him in their behalf he persuades them to imitate their teacher and themselves to be conspicuous in like righteousness when he says ye did not choose me but i chose you and what follows conceive him then as saying gird yourselves with love towards one another o my disciples for ye ought indeed yourselves also to devise and do towards one another and perform with an eager zeal those things which i have first accomplished towards you for i chose you and it is not you that have chosen me i drew you to myself and made myself known to those who knew me not through my exceeding kindness and i brought you into a steadfast opinion so as to lead you up that is to confer on you the ability to reach forward to what is greater and to bear fruit unto god attain therefore to the complete confidence that whatsoever ye shall ask in my name ye shall receive since therefore ye follow in the track of my words and ministry and have the mind which my true disciples ought to be endued with it follows that ye ought not by your own tarrying to throw obstacles in the way of him who of his will seeks the faith and is self-called to a life of piety but that you should rather attach yourselves as guides to those who are still ignorant and astray and bring to those who do not yet prefer to learn it the gospel of salvation and eagerly exhort them to attain unto the true knowledge of god 
even though the mind of your hearers be hardened into disobedience for thus they would be in your condition that is they will advance and will return by gradual growth in what is better to fruit-bearing in god so as to have the fruit that ever remains and is preserved and that most acceptable object of prayer the bestowal of whatsoever they wish if only they ask in my name so much then on this head for it is necessary again compressing in a few words the drift of the text to make it clear to our hearers he persuades his disciples to have so much love towards others and wishes them to exhibit as much zeal in their persistent endeavour in all directions to pursue and bring to holiness the souls of those who have not yet believed as he himself first showed towards us and them for that he himself chose his disciples is unquestioned and i think it unnecessary to state how and in what way the call of each was made still that the discourse of the saviour is pregnant with the meaning i have just given to it what follows will equally persuade us for he says seventeen these things i have spoken unto you that ye may love one another for shall we not allow that the choosing out of those still faithless and astray to obedience to god is the work of the highest love of all but this is undeniable and paul hastened to do this when he said we are ambassadors therefore on behalf of christ as though god were entreating by us we beseech you on behalf of christ be ye reconciled to god so also does peter saying boldly to the jews and now brethren i wot that in ignorance ye did it as did also your rulers repent ye therefore and be baptized every one of you in the name of our lord jesus christ you see then how and with what zeal they meet those who have not believed and bring to them the word which they have not sought not making it necessary for these in their ignorance to choose themselves as their teachers but anticipating in this even him who has as yet been unwilling to learn any elementary truth but since our saviour's words have this in addition that ye should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide it is our duty to inquire what this means for what is the meaning of the expression that the fruit of his disciples remains i think then that by fruit which remains our saviour means that produced by the training of the gospel and not by the righteousness of the law for the latter has become obsolete by reason of its inability to accomplish anything for the law accomplished nothing as paul says but the new righteousness burst as it were into blossom in its stead and lifted up its head making obsolete and putting away the former and bringing in the fruit that truly remains and is preserved thus speaks the inspired paul addressing us and saying that the righteousness by the law was gladly and readily accounted by him as loss in order that he might gain christ that is the righteousness and fruit-bearing of the gospel by the faith that is in him for such fruit as this will continue and be perennial 
being capable of fulfilling the soul of man with righteousness for no other new instruction will steal in beside the messages of the gospel making the former obsolete as was undoubtedly the case with the mosaic command but the word of the saviour will stand for ever as indeed he himself says heaven and earth shall pass away but my words shall not pass away eighteen if the world hateth you ye know that it hath hated me before it hated you we shall find the course pursued in each case by our saviour in no way whatever inferior as i suppose to the skill and fine art of physicians as he everywhere follows a plan profitable to his hearers for physicians check the stubborn maladies which sometimes arise in bodies by means of the resources of their art but christ fences off the entrance to evil fortifying as it were each individual soul with commands ensuring prevention since therefore the disciples were destined to be rulers not indeed over one nation or one district only but rather to be the instructors of the universe and to preach to all throughout the world the message of the gospel and of god and to turn their hearers to a belief in the true god alone and to change them from sin to a willingness to do what became them and to make the law i mean that of the gospel the rule of their life he bid them account as nothing the hatred of the world that is of those who set their hearts on worldly things and choose to live wantonly and impiously for could any one venture to say that in seeing fit to give such injunctions to his disciples showing that it was profitable to be hated he did so without a reason and not to profit them in anything that is necessary put aside this folly for his word would not fall away into such a meaning as this he counsels them not to guard against being no way hated by every one and says excellently in the clearest and most precise language if the world hateth you that is if those who honour what is of the world and set their affections on earthly things alone should view you with hatred know then indeed he declares that your master endured this before you but any one might very readily perceive that the command of the saviour will bring full profit to the expounders of the sweetest mysteries if he would look at the nature of the circumstances for it is always dear nay rather it is the object of their earnest endeavour to thrust away as grievous and as monstrous the word that maketh wise and to set upon those who are zealous to introduce the noblest of studies and those by which they will become better than they were before yielding up the victory to their private pleasures only but a necessary consideration had well nigh escaped my notice although especially appropriate to and connected with the investigation of the words before us for the jews serving only the letter of the mosaic law and putting their own construction on those things that were performed as types until a time of reformation made no account whatsoever of the training of the gospel 
but thought they ought to consider its ministers as even more unendurable than their bitterest foes and others pursuing a different error and attaching the unspeakable glory of god to the creature i mean the heathen did not very gladly receive the word that was capable of illumining them for being as it were absorbed in their former vices they accounted their ignorance as most precious and were as little as possible inclined to depart from the disease akin to it and since the nature of the case was so who could doubt that the disciples of the saviour would not only be hated by the jews but also utterly despised by those diseased with the error of the greeks but they were very unwelcome nay they were intolerable to those preferring to devote themselves to pleasure and honouring a life that spent itself in luxury but if the disciples of the saviour were to consider the consequences of being hated by those already mentioned as grievous while they rather hasten to strive after and extravagantly to pursue the affection of those in this diseased condition is it not quite clear to all that they would be manifestly not putting forth the word that is able to save to any one whatsoever but would be rather bestowing their thoughts on vain trivialities and restraining the rebuke that proceeds from boldness of speech according to the will of god speaking and expounding forsooth according to each individual taste the injunction therefore not too eagerly to seek to be loved and to disregard incurring the hatred of some is necessary if they gain profit from their counsels this also we shall see st paul doing when he says plainly for am i now persuading men or god or am i seeking to please men if i were still wishing to please men i should not be a servant of christ and again when he had rebuked someone in corinth and heard that he was excessively pained he says for if i make you sorry who then is he that maketh me glad but he that is made sorry by me for godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation a repentance which bringeth no regret it will therefore be quite indisputable that the word which consults the pleasure of the listeners will flatter rather than benefit the world but he who obeys the words of the saviour will not conduct his ministry in this way for he will prefer rather to please him and will regard even the being hated by those and will consider even the hatred of those who have chosen to treat virtue with the utmost hostility as spiritual wealth when then he says the hatred that you have stirred up against you in the world is found at times to militate against your good repute overcome and cast aside this stumbling-block in your path seeing that honours paid you by those who love the world cannot give you much pleasure if they cannot endure to hear the word that profits them for i am of a truth your lord and master but that those who preferred to mind earthly things and despised the heavenly blessings hated christ himself also to their own destruction i think it not difficult to show for he said in the gospels to some the world cannot hate you but me it hateth because i testify of it that its works are evil 
making himself then again a pattern to his holy disciples in this he bids them follow the track there laid down when he said again openly in another place blessed are ye when men shall persecute you and shall reproach you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you nineteen if ye were of the world the world would love its own but because ye are not of the world but i chose you out of the world therefore the world hateth you he lightens by his art even that which was most grievous and gives them unexpected pleasure at that which it was reasonable to suppose would greatly trouble them for to be hated by any is truly burdensome because sly injuries and unexpected devices are the result yet this too is sweet when it happens for the sake of god and righteousness and it supplies a convincing proof that the man against whom some thus act is not of the world for as we find physical so also shall we find moral affinities and a sameness and complete likeness of disposition is sufficient to undermine mere blood relationship for every creature loveth its like according to the scripture and a man will be attached to his like now whereas similarity of character renews the law of love towards one another the holy will live with the holy and very readily conform to him and be joined to him in friendly union and so also will the attitude of one of like disposition towards a blasphemer for this reason the mosaic law made a complete distinction between what was holy and profane keeping such things apart and separate from one another according to the law of love evil company doth corrupt good manners and differences of disposition are at war with one another and wills that are divided look in opposite directions and almost accuse one another each being enamoured of its own pursuit the lover of virtue then must incur hatred for the very things which excite our admiration his rebuking vice and unveiling the vileness of the wicked by the contrast that his own manner of life presents for when goodness is seen by its side what is evil must appear unseemly for this cause then i think those who are not enamoured by the same manner of life rage against the virtuous he bids then his disciples not be pained even though they see themselves hateful to the world on account of their love of virtue and righteousness towards him but explains that they ought on the contrary to rejoice receiving the hatred of the world as a proof of their dignity and praise with god for see how dangerous he has shown their not enduring to suffer which it was likely they would prefer to be for to be hated by any was not absolutely without loss but it has not the free pardon from god and the great gain which results from preferring to suffer it for if the man who is hated by those who mind worldly things is considered as outside the world it is necessary then to suppose that the man who is not hated is united to the vices of the world what then has christ established by these words 
that they should preach his word with boldness and should not permit their hearers to be unprofited from their regard toward sinners or those who preferred to disobey the divine command but that leaving unnoticed the affronts that will often result from being hated they should give bold and fearless counsel passing by nothing whatsoever or esteeming anything of more consequence than the necessity of serving god this object st paul well accomplishes when he writes thus for am i now persuading men or god or am i seeking to please men if i were still pleasing men i should not be a servant of christ for it is not possible to please evil men and god for how could the two coincide the will of each presenting the widest divergence for the one looks towards virtue and the other looks towards vice the man therefore who wishes only to be the servant of god and who regards nothing as superior to piety towards him must necessarily be in conflict with those who love the world whenever he persuades them to a state of mind out of harmony with the vain folly of the world for advice which calls to something else is most intolerable to lovers of pleasure as assuredly are profitable and severe remedies to those whose bodies are diseased by these passions End of chapter 2, part 5